today on Ag News Daily. Million Bushel Challenge says, hey, let's get ahead of this as farmers. Let's band together. Let's get our carbon intensity scores. Let's prove to the U.S. Department of Energy that we're actually doing pretty good already. We're better than the default numbers that they put on our grains here today, our corn and soybeans. December 15th, 2023, a Friday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Tanner joined by Delaney this morning to bring you some great headlines. Right, Delaney? Absolutely, Tanner. That's all you got? That's all you got for me this morning? You're not going to give me a hard time? Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of feeling tired today (laughs) after a long week, but I did look out my window and it is gorgeous. So that was a little bit of like a pick me up I needed this morning. You must be looking towards the east because it is a beautiful sunrise. I wonder yeah. how many of our listeners are seeing the same thing we are. I don't know how that works. Uh, I don't know much about sunsets and sunrises, to be honest with you, about how the colors play out. Like if that's something everyone sees or just in certain geographies. But yeah, I'm curious about that, too. Well, if we want to stick on a little bit of weather here, we'll kick it off to begin with. The El Nino pattern is threatening to become one of the most intense events of its type in history. The U.S. Climate Prediction Center forecasts a 75% chance that this event will persist into May before the Pacific starts to return to its neutral state. This persistent pattern could bring more storms and colder weather to the southern states from December through February. But as we look at where we sit today, that's what's happening across Oklahoma right now. Winter storms are hitting the plains in Oklahoma and northern Texas, bringing snow to that area. The National Weather Service says there could be accumulations of three inches of snow as this system slowly moves through the region. Low visibility and heavy snow, as well as slippery roads, are to be expected. Further east into Missouri, dry conditions have presented a risk for wildfire wildfires as wind gusts will be up to 30 miles per hour. Sunday into Monday, this will persist for most of that Midwest to Southern region, just north of that storm path that is coming through. But as we look here in Iowa, our weekend looks to be maybe damp. We've got a little bit of a chance of rain coming tonight, maybe a tenth to two tenths. So nothing that will change uh, much for people's plans. Tomorrow's cloudy with intermittent rain, a high of 43 to wrap up our weather for Friday. Okay. Thankfully no snow, but maybe some cool, wet rain, freezing rain, Tanner. Uh, Not going to be freezing, but yes, cool and damp. All right. Well, switching tracks here out of some weather news. As we've talked earlier this week about sustainable aviation fuel, the Biden administration is expected to make an announcement today to recognize a soon-to-be-updated methodology that would favor the ethanol industry and sustainable aviation fuel industry to provide guidance for companies looking for tax claims or excuse me, tax credits for both of those industries. For months, the Biden administration has been divided over whether or not to recognize the Department of Energy's Greenhouse Gas Regulation Emissions and Energy Use and Technology Model, or GREET, that's a fun acronym. But as it stands, the model would enable ethanol-based SAF fuel to qualify for tax credits under the Inflation Reduction Act. This news was first reported by Reuters, but would be a big win for the U.S. corn industry as well, as that, of course, would snap up some ethanol 
use or an increased use for corn production. The administration is also expecting to announce that it will update the GREET methodology by March 1st, according to some sources. We don't know that for sure yet, but that could also be a big step for agriculture and the sustainable aviation fuel industry, Tanner. But we also got some big news here as we've seen states once again oppose the EPA's March proposal. The states of Iowa and Nebraska have asked the federal court on Wednesday to require the EPA to promptly finalize a rule to allow permanent year-round E15 states in eight states. Rejecting the agency's proposal to finalize the rule by March 28th of 2024. On April of 2022, governors in these eight states requested that the changes allowed by the Clean Air Act to reject the use of one PSI waiver for E10 or a 10% ethanol blended gas. And this next action here has been going on, like we said, for about a year and a half, but they are pushing to change that from E10 to E15 blends. The APA was required by law to finalize the rule by July of 2022, and we're still here today with nothing finalized as of yet, hence why these states are pushing forward and asking for the finalized rule here before March of 2024, Tanner. Yeah, a push there. We also see a push happening amongst ag lenders in the United States, looking at the farm economy. Lending conditions, over 260 ag lenders ranked their top 12 concerns, and we now have the survey results and those rankings. Farmer Mac and the Agriculture Bankers Association have released their results. As you look, number one is worry. Ag lenders are reporting that their top concern is interest rate volatility for the second year in a row. I think that's to be uh, justified, Delaney. The survey respondents are widely split in the direction they expect interest rates to take. Just over half believe short-term interest rates will continue to increase over the next year, and 47.2% expect long-term rates to stay where they are, possibly go on the rise a little bit as well. It's important to note that the responses were given in August, so this last Fed meeting that we just had didn't take any play into that. Long-term rates are a bit of a convoluted response as the survey went out into the future to see where things were going to be headed. A lot of lenders had varying opinions there as well. When you think about their results, competition will create shrinking margins within the banking sector, even though lenders have interest rate costs rising, those farmers shopping around to see if they could get a better deal will cause banks to have smaller margins themselves. As you look at the results, though, Delaney, according to that chart, uh, interest rate volatility is first, competition is second, credit quality ag loan repayment is third, increased regulatory issues is fourth, the weak ag loan demand is fifth. So kind of a, a convoluted top five there as you look at where lending competition starts as number two and weak ag loan demand, meaning that they expect farmers to still have a lot of cash on hand coming in at fifth. So ultimately a survey there with some mixed results, but good for us to have that information to share anyway. 
It certainly is, Tanner. And uh, another good piece of information here for the dairy industry. After more than a decade of banning whole milk and reduced fat milk from being served in school lunches, the House of Representatives overwhelmingly voted in support of the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act, which was passed earlier this week. The bill will revise the requirements for milk provided by the National School Lunch Program of the Department of Agriculture. And we've seen back in 2012, the USDA updated meal requirements to reflect the most recent dietary guidelines for Americans at that time. And that included restricting school milk choices to unflavored, low-fat, flavored, fat-free, and unflavored fat milk. Following that, Tanner, milk consumption in schools dropped pretty significantly as a result. In 2017, USDA allowed exemptions to the school nutrition standards so they could serve flavored low-fat milk. But now we're going to see whole milk back in the school lunchbox once again. Yeah, I saw that headline as well. It uh, has actually driven up a couple of conversations on Twitter, or X as it's now called, uh, which was interesting to see. We do have the announcement of the United Soybean Board's new CEO, Lucas Lynch, will take over on January 1st. He will join the organization as the CEO, coming from the Dairy Management Incorporated leadership team. He will man- he had managed the National Dairy Checkoff in his role there, the USB board that is representing uh, 30 states of farmers will now have their new leader as they jump into that side of it. My last headlines to kick off today is concern coming out of Russia and Ukraine. There are lots of analysts that are stating that this war could be at a tipping point and European countries are extremely concerned that what happens if Ukraine loses this war. Drama in and out of that area is going to continue to push as to where we think uh, the end of this war is going to come. Putin is definitely continuing to downtalk the intelligence resources that the United States has been providing Ukraine. And as far as that goes, yesterday, as reported for the Gaza region, was the deadliest day since the beginning of October 7th four Israeli troops. Nine troops were killed during a raid by the Hamas, but uh, ultimately it seems like not a lot of progress made in either one of those regions, Delaney, as it comes to those two battles. But that's what I've got for the rest of my news for today. Perfect. I don't have any other big headlines for today, Tanner, so I'm going to hop over here to take a look at where overnights are trading. As we head into the opening session here, March corn is down a quarter of a cent at 4.79. January soybeans up three and a quarter, three and three quarters cents at 13.17 and three quarters. Chicago March wheat down a penny and three quarters at 6.14. Hard red March winter wheat down two and three quarters at 6.33 and three quarters. And March spring wheat up four and a quarter cent at 7.21 and a half. Taking a look at livestock and where they will open here this morning, December, excuse me, February live cattle added 70 cents to the board yesterday, opening this morning at a buck 67.92. January feeder cattle up a dollar 97 and a half, opening at 219.35. And February lean hogs had a good day yesterday, adding $3.75 to the board, opening this morning at 7047. 
Tanner, super excited for today's conversation. We're chatting with Mitchell Hora about his new Billion Bushel Challenge at Continuum Ag. So let's turn it over to that Friday conversation. Tanner, I don't know about you, but I'm super excited for today's conversation with Mitchell Hora, the founder of Continuum Ag, because Mitchell has been at the forefront of carbon scoring, carbon intensity scoring, and just this carbon mission overall. So Mitchell, super excited to chat with you today. Always fun to be on the show, Delaney. So Mitchell, let's dig right in. You guys have a big announcement you recently launched here as you have launched the Billion Bushel Challenge. What is this challenge and how did you come up with this idea? Yeah, it sounds kind of big and kind of crazy because it pretty much is. <laughs> and uh, essentially what, what we're looking at is that this carbon intensity thing is really taken off. And essentially what that boils down to is it's the carbon footprint per bushel. And that's becoming really important because the carbon footprint of a bushel is important for the next player in the supply chain who's utilizing those bushels, namely biofuel companies like ethanol plants. And uh, ethanol plants have, uh, there's a new tax credit called Section 45Z that was amended in the Inflation Reduction Act that is positioned to put some significant dollars into U.S. renewable biofuel and uh, helping those biofuel companies to lower their carbon intensity score. And today, the grain going into those biofuels uh, is about half of the carbon footprint of the overall gallons that we're producing. The Billion Bushel Challenge says, hey, Let's get ahead of this as farmers. Let's band together. Let's get our carbon intensity scores. Let's prove to the U.S. Department of Energy that we're actually doing pretty good already. We're better than the default numbers that they put on our grains here today, our corn and soybeans. We're doing better than that. We're going to prove it. And um, in the U.S., there's about 15 billion bushels of corn grown on a given year. About 6 billion of those 15 billion bushels go into biofuel. And the billion bushel challenge says, hey, we got 6 billion bushels that are going to have carbon intensity scores. It's just that a lot of time it's the default from Department of Energy. Let's go score the first billion bushels and prove that uh, the farmers can bring this data to the forefront and that we're doing a pretty good job already. So for our listeners, let's kind of remind them what goes into a carbon intensity score. Yeah. It's think of it as everything that goes into that bushel. So we're documenting the fertilizer, the pesticides, the fuel. Is it using manure? Is it using cover crops? What's the tillage program? We gather all that info and uh, we've got at Continuum Ag, we've got our topsoil tool, our software that traditionally we've utilized for agronomic consulting and for soil health analysis. Now we've added in this carbon intensity calculator um, it's from the U.S. Department of Energy. It's called the GREET model. And we've just made it easy for farmers to get that score. It takes 10, 15 minutes. We do charge a, a, a small fee for it. But with the Billion Bushel Challenge, we're just gamifying that. We've got discount codes available. We've got teams that are out there that you can join. Um, just kind of banding together saying, hey, let's let's get out ahead of this. Let's tell our story. Let's put a number on it. So simplifying, but it is pretty holistic. And that's why I like it too. It gives us a number that we can tell our story. Yeah. And as you think about that number to tell your story, Mitchell, the marketplace, I think dictates what farmers do at the end of the day. And are they going to get paid out on this? So as we look at the marketplace today, you mentioned the 45Z tax credit, carbon intensity scoring. 
where are we at with farmers getting paid for telling this story with their yeah. CI scores? There's some pilot projects going on right now. They might be able to tap into on your 2023 crop, that crop that's sitting in the bin. Um, you might be able to get paid a little bit, anywhere from a penny a bushel, maybe 15 pennies a bushel or so. Um, it's pilot projects. It's early. 45Z does not start until Jan 1, 2025. And that's for the fuel that's produced in 2025. So that would be, you know, factoring in the 2024 crop production. So that's why we're getting aggressive on this because the decisions that we've already made on our farms here this past fall influences our 2024 carbon footprint. So that's why we want to understand our scores and document today. But yeah, it, right now, contact your local ethanol producer, contact your local co-op, whoever's buying your grain and ask them. See what they're doing when it comes to sustainability, when it comes to carbon intensity. Say that, hey, you heard about this podcast and this carbon intensity thing. What are they doing about it? And uh, happy to help you out as much as I can. Um, shoot me an email, mitchell at continuum.ag. And uh, happy to help you get um, the info that you need. On your 2023 crop, it's not going to be anything crazy. Like I said, maybe a couple pennies a bushel. It's pilot projects right now. It's uh, there's a European uh, low carbon fuel market that's rolling right now, but it's low dollar figures, but it's proving the concept. It's starting the flow of data in your, on your 2024 crop. That is what would be subject to these credits. And uh, at that point, you really need to know what your score is likely going to want to have it third-party verified. And we facilitate that. Um, and then that way you can prove to your grain buyer that what you're producing has a solid carbon intensity score and uh, we show you what it's what it's worth and help you to transact on that data so do you think the future trends are heading the direction of a bushel from my farm that has a lower ci score than a bushel from your farm mm -hmm. would potentially get paid more for when delivered to an ethanol plant or an end user that's exactly right. So on my case of so the national average carbon intensity score is around 29.1. Um, and actually how the scoring works is it's county by county, but we use a simple 29 number. Corn on my farm this year scored negative 4.1. If these credits were up and rolling, the value that I'd bring is significant. Uh, just shy of $2 a bushel is about $1.92 a bushel. Now the key on that, me as a producer, I'm not going to get any of that money without playing ball with my ethanol producer because the biofuel producer gets the tax credit, not the farmer. However, in order for them to maximize the tax credits, they need my low carbon bushels and specifically they need the data to be able to prove to the IRS that they're producing low carbon bushels or low carbon gallons of fuel and that they have earned these credits. So we've got to work together here. We've got to collaborate together. As producers, we need our biofuel uh, partners more than ever. Biofuel players, they need farmers. And uh, I just see this as such a, a cool opportunity for collaboration and for sharing and for creating value across middle America. Now, Mitchell, Tanner and I have obviously, I hope, had some good questions. But what are some of the good questions you're getting from farmers about this yeah. new billion bushel challenge? Um, some of the things like, well, what about, um, well, specific on the billion bushel challenge are asking like, okay, why should I do this now? Like, do I actually need my carbon intensity score now? And to be honest, the truth is you, you might not need it right now, but those rules are going to come out at any time from the IRS. 
these markets are coming about. You're going to want to have this score in the future. Why we're approaching this now is saying, let's get your baseline. Let's see where you are today. We can run the estimates and stuff on what your score will be. And what's cool about our positioning as an agronomy company, as a farmer to farmer company, is we not only show you your score and show you what your score is worth, but we have a decision-making tool where you can toggle practices and it recalculates your score for you. So you can see what would happen if you changed your practices. So it's a decision-making tool as you're thinking about your 2024 crop that you can tweak your program a little bit to make sure that you're optimizing that score. Make sure that you're in the best position possible with the optimized CI score where you can earn as much financial compensation as you can, but also bring as much value to your ethanol provider um, as you can bring as well. So, um, So I think that's what it boils down to. Delaney is like the timing of this. And that's where I like, hey, a couple minutes and a little bit of money. Here's a gamified, fun approach to getting farmers their scores, starting to build this two-way marketplace. It's a chicken and the egg thing, okay? So we got to have low CI bushels to create a marketplace, but we need the marketplace and the, the rules to be able to garner you know, the dollars for those low CI bushels. The dollars are not fully there today. They will start about a year from now is what it looks like will happen. And hopefully we get some some rules sooner rather than later. But um, in order to position, you're going to have to know your numbers and know your data. And that's why we want to start this now and um, put farmers really at the forefront saying, hey, we're ready to rock and roll. Let's do this. And what I'm so excited about is I'm incredibly bullish on this whole system because I think these carbon intensity scores are going to go beyond biofuel. The carbon footprint of my bushel can be utilized by my hog grower who's buying my grain and feeding pigs to produce low carbon pork. The uh, low carbon poultry, low carbon turkey, low carbon dairy, you know, it's all the same concept and it all starts with data, documentation, and uh, keeping good records. Yeah, and my last point of clarification to make sure our listeners get it is carbon credits were previously or maybe still currently are for changes of practices. Yeah. The CI score is for those, anybody. It doesn't mean anybody. you had to change a regenerative practice. It could just be a score based upon your current operation. Yeah, Tanner, that's what I love about it. My family's been using no-till since 1978, using cover crops since 2013. We uh, disqualified ourselves from being able to trigger additionality a long time ago at least in a substantial way. We can always continue to make change and improve, but the big changes we made a long time ago. With carbon intensity, it's not about the change. It's just about what is the footprint per bushel. And the lower your footprint per bushel, the better the value that you bring to the table. So a score of 29, that means you're losing carbon. If your score is at zero, that means you're around that like carbon neutral. If your score is negative, that means you're actually sequestering more carbon than what you're releasing. Is the basics of it. it, it more complicated, of course, but um, yeah, it levels the playing field. Everybody can participate. Um, and in the other point of clarification, in carbon offsetting and carbon credits, you sell the carbon one direction and you sell the grain in a different direction. In the scope three program and in carbon intensity, the carbon story and the grain stay connected and go together. So who's buying your grain, they can buy that data as well because they need it for their reporting. 
And that's why I'm so bullish on this. Like so many of these companies have big sustainability goals and carbon targets. Now here's a precedent that they can utilize to say, hey, let's work within our supply chain to decarbonize and, uh, and let's enable our farmers to really be the solution. So exciting stuff. Mitchell, before we let you go one more time, for those of our listeners interested in digging around for the Billion Bushel Challenge a little bit more themselves or joining the challenge, where can they go to find more information? Yeah. You can go to billionbushel.com and uh, that'll redirect you to our site where you got some more info. Um, hit us up as well. Like I said, Mitchell at continuum.ag. Happy to connect you with the right folks. But um, if you want to get started and find your score right now, you can go to topsoil.ag. That's our software. Um, and the cool thing about it, you own your score. You own your data and uh, you're in position to be able to get some of those rewards as they come to the forefront. So exciting stuff. There's still a lot of dust to settle, but hey, farmers, you know, let's, uh, we got a pretty cool opportunity here uh, to be really hammering on this over the winter time. Well, I've got some ability to be in front of a computer, run some of these numbers and start conversations with our partners in the biofuel space. A really cool opportunity for collaboration um, there's a quote from uh, Secretary Vilsack where he talks about like, hey, there's uh, never been a better time here that this is an opportunity for um, action. And it's kind of a gift, you know, that's been kind of presented to us through from our policymakers. Um, we need to really capture this. It's a it's a big carrot. And I'd much rather have the carrot than the stick. And uh, so that's where it's looking at like, hey, can we capture some of this opportunity, utilize this to invest in the sustainability of your farm and, uh, and understand that it's the soil health principles that this all boils back to being efficient, building soil health. And now we're just putting a number on it. Fantastic, Mitchell. Well, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. It's always fun to catch up with you and on your journey. You bet. Fun stuff. Thanks guys for having me on. We'll be in touch. It's always a pleasure to have Mitchell on one of uh, our favorites can we say that or are episodes kind of like children and you're not supposed to pick favorites <laughs> i don't know do you have a favorite child tanner <laughs> i'm gonna plead the fifth there and tell our <laughs> listeners to have a great weekend so for today should we let them go let's let them go 